Welcome to the What If Podcast with your hosts, Spencer Worth Davis and Ryan Copperood. Goddamn right. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm going to run that shit into the ground Harry, today. Harry Carey is joining us in the booth today <laughs> as, as played by w- Will Ferrell. What's up, man? Oh, you know, hanging out, talking about space stuff. Space stuff. How you doing today? Making though? cool sounds from the internet. Um, what, got, a, got a few new ones today. Yeah, what, what you guys don't know is the total amount of time we spend on creating and selecting sounders for the show. It's usually more time than is spent like... Prepping actual, for the actual yeah, show, yeah, actual show prep. Did we ever? Didn't didn't well, somebody? Look, do, if you're not prepared to do the research, Brian, why make the statement in the first place? I didn't make- <laughs> also, I'm gonna just call you Brian for this whole episode because it's gonna make a couple of these more fun. I'm gonna fucking hate it so much. <laughs> um, did didn't somebody do a post in the Facebook group about? Like favorite soundboard sounders from yeah, that past we've, episodes. We've talked about this before. I know, but did we ever see which one was the official winner? Was there an actual winner uh, over I, the vote? I believe it was. Oh hi, thanks for checking in. I'm still a piece of garbage. It was That's, close between that and heck. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, they they don't know about a few of the ones that we're gonna be pulling out today. Uh, so oh, things who knows things might get competitive. What are we talking about today? Man, we're talking about space. Okay. What if we couldn't leave? Oh, shit. Jump, jump, jump. What if we couldn't leave, man? Uh, what, do you, what do you mean? We have left. We have a left. A bunch of times. We have left a bunch of times. If we're talking about Earth, you're talking about our solar system, you're talking about our... I'm talking about our universe, our, our multiverse, our I'm, dimension. I'm talking about our, uh, our multiverse. <laughs> I'm talking about our Earth. The Matrix. I mean, as far as we know, we can't leave. If Keanu Reeves can do it, anybody can do it. Sick burn! I mean, we're in it still, though. Maybe. Maybe? Maybe not. Maybe we've maybe we've already exited the Matrix? Yeah. But wouldn't we remember the Matrix? Or, yeah. I don't know. I got, I, I stopped paying attention to that movie like halfway through it. Are the, are the sequels any good? You ever watch them? Um, I watched, I've seen all the Matrix movies, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't know. Like, if you didn't like the first one, you're not going to like the second and the yeah, third okay, one. Cool. That's that's <laughs> that's probably a given. At I figured that, that was a safe assumption. There are some part. pretty sweet fight scenes in all of them. If yeah. you're into action, much for me. action movies, um, yeah, man, how did Keanu Reeves become the action star of our time, bro? That's a very good question. You'd need to go and speak to some owls. <laughs> yes. How? <laughs> How Great hard, setup, bud. How hard were you waiting? Just, like, I just the first please, time you asked a question, I was going for it. Yeah. Please ask a question. <laughs> I mean, it helped that I guided the conversation towards Keanu Reeves first, but... Is Keanu Reeves a question asker? No, it's just, a, just funny, it's a funny guy to... He's just for, a, the, for the owls to have knowledge about. <laughs> a curious individual. Was it Pete who was trying to convince us that Keanu Reeves is the is the greatest action star ever? That's okay. That I, I right. Weren't we just, actually talking about this? I think it was Pete because we were talking about the John Wick movies. Yeah, man. I, I don't know. I've I avoid the Matrix. Oh, and it started because we were talking about the fucking Lake House. Oh yeah. Which, by the <laughs> way, shout out to I don't know which listener was it. Some yeah, listener on Twitter was staying at an Airbnb and found the lake house on DVD and was like, nice. <laughs> I hope you watched it. It's, I hope- it's not a bad flick. 
I, it might be Keanu's finest work, actually. You're welcome for us mm-hmm. bringing that back into your memory. Anyway, you were talking about us leaving the planet. We're talking about leaving the planet. We're talking about specifically leaving our atmosphere and potentially getting to other planets. Um, what if we couldn't leave? The The question we're asking today uh, goes back to a concept that found its footing uh, many, many years ago uh, in actually in 1978. That's a cool year. I don't know anything else that happened in 1978 off the top of my head, but I believe my, you. My parents got married that year. Oh, mm-hmm. that's sweet. Mm-hmm. Man, you remember that? That's awesome, dude. I feel like a shitty son for not remembering that date from my own parents. <laughs> there were. I feel like there was a lot of good music happening around there. Okay. Should we should we, should we look up the number one album from 1978? Ooh, yes. Um, no. You want to take a guess first? I kind of do, but I feel like I'm going to be very wrong. It was probably like uh, Off the Wall or something. Uh, is that too early? It was the 70s, wasn't it? Off the wall? I thought that was like Ooh, early Fleetwood, 80s. baby. Fleetwood, Fleetwood Mac. I got some Fleetwood Mac vinyl at the crib. Damn, rumors held it the fuck down. And mm. then, ooh. And then we went straight to Saturday Night Fever, Bee Gees. Wow. Strong. Rolling Stones had two weeks at number one. Grease had a month and a half at number one. And oh, then made th- a comeback. Oh, Grease had a lot of the year. Is that the year Grease came out? Apparently. 78? And oh. then... uh Billy Joel came through for November and December with 52nd Street. All right. That's a great album, too. That's a good year. You're right. That is a really good year for music. That's some mm-hmm. good-ass music. Um, something a little bit less fun than Great Records came out in 1978, um, which was a hypothesis. Off the wall was 79. Okay. I Keep was, going. I was right that it was later. I was wrong that it was in the <laughs> 80s. Um and it was a hypothesis uh, proposed by uh, Donald J. Kessler. That's the worst name I ever heard. <laughs> Bro, you got them cocked, locked, and loaded in there today. You're just like, say something, I dare you. I got something new lined up. Um, so Kessler, uh, man, Donald J., you guys got really scared. I was about to say something else. Uh, oh, yeah, that sucks. Kessler. We, I could just call him Don in my notes. I didn't go middle initial. Let's call him Kessler instead. Cool. <laughs> Kessler's better. Um, Kessler was a NASA scientist. He was a uh, an astrophysicist and primarily studied the concept of space debris. Space junk. Debris. Space debris. Was there a lot of space junk in the 70s? Um, I guess we were sending a lot of stuff up there in the 60s and 70s. Yeah, in 1978, I would say, I mean... There weren't very many satellites, though, right? When did the first satellite go into space? Sputnik, 59. 59? I think so. When was the first satellite? It's a great radio. I'm pretty sure, I'm like 90% sure it was Sputnik in 59. I was hoping you were going to hit me with the, if you're not prepared to do the research, (laughs) what's the question? Um... It was Sputnik, you're a little late, October 4th of 1957, Sputnik went up to orbit. Ass! So, so, so at the time, we'd been putting up uh, satellites and uh, space ships as well. Yeah, we got all the Apollo missions and then Gemini and the, the Who's-its and the Whatnots. And the Who's-its and the Whatnots. 
uh, for two two decades or so. Um, International Space Station was way later, right? The International Space Station? Yeah, what? Like 30 years later, yeah. Yeah, but how much later? I, d- I know it was way later. Skylab but just like when. was... Skylab came before the ISS and it was probably like around that time, late 70s? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. There was, yeah. there, yeah, there was a bunch of NASA stuff up there. Probably a bunch of Russian stuff up there. Maybe some Chinese stuff up there. Skylab was 73 or 79. Um, 73 to 79. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're, we're firing a good amount of stuff up into space. Yeah, sure. You got boosters and satellites and, and the other thing too, with the debris stuff too, is, you know, we, we document all the stuff that successfully goes up into space, but there's also a need to document the stuff that unsuccessfully goes up into space and stays in the atmosphere. Well, and according to people who watch the ISS live stream, there are tons of UFOs flying around up there all the time. Oh yeah. So many. Dude, why do you think it cuts out? Right, no, exactly. It's not because it's not because they have a tough time sending video signal out of space. Or because they, they switch angles once in a while. It's because yeah, or because they there's, switch cameras. No, it's because there's a guy sitting there going like Oh uh, shit! That's a UFO. Ah <laughs> uh, shit! There's another one, and he's just switching the camera. He's just—he's a dude who's paid to do one job. He's, a, they he's put, a spotter. They put a red button in front of him, and <laughs> they're like, "Slam that red button every time you see an alien." Hey, fam, smash the UFO button. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the guy at the Golden Globes who has to slam the button down every time a celebrity says a swear word in their acceptance speech and catch up to the live stream. Yeah, it's like boop. Nope, not yeah, that. You got seven seconds. You not can that. Say all kinds of cuss words in seven seconds. Yeah, for sure you can. Uh, I think Aziz Ansari tried to this weekend. Oh, uh, was he cussing? Yeah. I don't watch award shows. Was, that shit is dumb. I me. watched a little bit of it, but there was like a, a 10 second bleep for Aziz nice. Ansari. Good for I think him. Aziz was actually. He's on Netflix now, man. He can say whatever he wants. That's true. I also think he was legit so shocked that he actually won for, I think it was best actor or best best writing in a show or something like that that he was up there like i don't know what in the fuck is going on up here <laughs> and they were like no can't say that on tv heck um but yeah so uh <laughs> so tell us what the fuck we're talking i know about. i know we're getting there we're getting there we're getting there so in 78 uh kessler puts out a paper called collision frequency of artificial satellites the creation of a debris belt and like an asteroid belt, but junkier. Exactly. But man, man-made and man-made of all the shit that uh, trash belt. The, tra- the trash belt. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's it's the space dumpster for everything that we have um, in space that is functioning and no longer functioning. That has blown up. That has run into other stuff. And um, basically, he espouses this idea that. Uh, that this could pose a problem, not only at the time as they were continuing to NASA research how things could and should leave our atmosphere, but also he was projecting that the speed at which we would be putting things into space, whether that be satellites or more Skylabs or more trips to the moon or whatever, was going to grow in frequency in the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from when he put the paper out. Well, wasn't the idea also that one collision could then create multiple collisions, which could create multiple collisions, and you could have this one incident that creates a, sort of a domino effect 
Yes, exactly. Each time creating more space junk, which creating in turn more creates junk. more space junk, which in right. turn creates more space junk. Right, exactly. The idea the idea is he was afraid of there was too much junk in space for and that he, it was starting to scare him that if we keep shooting stuff up there, something's going to get hit by something else. And mm-hmm. potentially if we keep sending more stuff, we're going to keep creating more junk, making it harder to send stuff into space because there's going to be so much junk up there and if we keep shooting stuff up there and something does get hit, it's possible that that stuff could tumult into hitting a ton of other things. Right. And Which, even, even really small stuff can have a huge impact, literally, in space because of the speed at boom. which stuff is traveling. Do you know the speed at which stuff is traveling? In low Earth orbit? Yes. Uh, isn't it like 13-something thir- thousand miles an hour? It's a little higher. It's 17,000-ish miles an hour. Uh, is it different speeds depending on... Because obviously it's not just like one line. So if you're closer to the planet, you'd have to be moving faster, right? Is that how it works? Wouldn't, or, wouldn't you have to be moving faster to combat gravity the closer to the planet you get? Mm, that's an interesting question. Or do you have less resistance the higher up in our atmosphere you go so then you actually travel around the planet faster? You're also further away to make a rotation. The goal is not to travel faster, though. The goal is to stay with in, in orbit. I think that speed no, varies know, but depending I'm saying on distance from the center of the planet. Yeah, but I'm saying I think if you go further out, you go faster. In the same way that, like, if you're on a carousel, standing closer to the carousel, you're you're traveling less speeds. But if you're further out on the carousel, you're, like, spinning faster. I don't know. See, this is why we... <laughs> call up our call up our scientist friends. Call, well, shit, just call Chris back. <laughs> yeah, we should, right? <laughs> Chris! Chris from the Mad Scientist Pod called into our radio show this week, and we appreciated his insights into some things. I um, like how we got about five minutes into a show about things orbiting the planet, only to realize that we don't understand how orbiting a planet works. <laughs> hey, dude, orbiting planets is hard, man. That's why there's only like 20 astronauts in the world. Because orbiting a planet is hard? I'm I, don't, saying, I don't think that's no, why. I mean, understanding how this shit works is hard. That's why there's not that many astronauts. Uh, mm, I don't think that's right either. I think most people who like passed a physics class in high school could probably explain this one. You know who didn't pass a physics class in Both high school? Both of us. These guys! <laughs> <laughs> Who's got four thumbs that never passed a physics class? These four. The dudes. What If Podcast. The What If Podcast. Um, I'm disturbed. I don't know why I decided <laughs> to do this. What's up, Rob? <laughs> um, so, so yeah. So your point about this being a cascade effect, creating a bigger junk cloud, was was scary for two reasons. One, because it creates the possibility of us not being able to leave, and continue to do more space stuff, but also because there's a lot of stuff that's constantly circling our planet that's important. Right. Stuff we kind of need satellites. Stuff that we need up there. You can't make podcasts without satellites. You can't make podcasts without satellites. Well, you could. You just can't distribute them. That's true. I got a tape deck. We can record to that if you want. You can burn some CDs and be like, hey, listen to us assholes talk you know, for hand out our, our 15 hours. Paranormal mixtapes <laughs> out of the trunk. Oh, 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 oh boy. You get one episode on a CD, maybe. Pretty strong. Yeah, these days. I think um, I got some 90-minute cassettes laying around. We, we can make it work. If you go to uh if you go to quartz uh qz.com, there is an article titled This is the damage tiny space debris traveling at incredible speeds can do. And it's all documentation of 
the documented moments that uh, spacecraft have been hit by small space degree, s- small space debris. Small space debris, small space debris, small yeah. space debris. God damn, that's a, that's a rough one. Junk cloud, junk cloud, junk cloud. Junk cloud, junk cloud. <laughs> junk cloud, band name. Uh, 17,500 miles per hour, you could imagine that's like a bullet being fired, I don't know, thousands of times faster than <laughs> hundreds of times. I'm how fast do bullets go? <laughs> I'm laughing that you decided to use as a point of reference something that you is an unknown quantity. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? It goes like some amount of times faster than that thing that I don't know how fast it goes. <laughs> That's how fast it is. It's pretty fast. It's, it's twice, it's twice, uh, twice it's a, a bunch. Yeah. Two times a bunch. No, I'm just saying. It's heckin' fast, it's man. A, it's a heckin' fast bullet getting shot through space, blowing up, uh, Blowing, blowing up our satellites. Well, didn't, uh, didn't the ISS get taken out by like a, a paint chip or something? Yeah. So in this, uh, and by that I mean it's totally fine, but they got a dent in their window. Yeah, it didn't get, uh, it didn't get blown up, but there's a pretty <laughs> scary picture on. Yeah, we would have known if the space station blew up. <laughs> Duck. <laughs> Watch out, little bitch, dude. One of the articles I read while I was prepping for this episode said that. Um, so. We'll we'll get into this more in a second, but NASA actually does their best to track as much of this stuff as possible so that they can time launches properly for, you know, ISS missions and... Right. You don't want to rifle some guys right into the junk cloud. Right. Um, and we'll talk about that in a second, too. But um, the uh, when they track something and they know that it's coming within a certain proximity to the ISS, they literally have the crew get into an escape pod on the ISS, shut the hatch, and wait until they know that it's safely past them. Like in Gravity. Yeah, so... Did you ever see that movie? Okay, so I've never actually seen the movie, but in all of my reading up of this, I found that that is... This this concept is, without being named, is like 100% the inception of the, the action. Yeah, except film. it's done super unrealistically in the movie. Like, of how it would happen, they, you mean? They fly directly through some debris field and absolutely nothing happens to them magically. Oh. Instead of like, you know. Instead of everyone being impaled and having... His head fell off. That's <laughs> what actually happened to Sandra Bullock in that situation. <laughs> or George Clooney or whoever it was. Yeah, well, both of them, I think. I think... I don't, all right, yeah. I think I got all of the sounders, and now I'll start actually paying attention to what we're talking about. <laughs> I think I got all the new ones. The worst part is in with your new soundboard, you can name them, so you're just staring right, at the names actually, of these, yeah, being like, "Right, I, gotta, I can't wait till I can use you." Oh, say something! Shout out to Machine MK3 and Native Instruments. Uh, we'd be happy to advertise for you guys anyway, anytime. Free shit. Um, yeah. So, so that yeah, okay. Outside of it being Hollywooded up. The the Kessler syndrome concept, Kessler effect. Is that. Is that. Is that uh, something hits something else and basically creates a minefield that everything else that is circling the planet is forced to run through because stuff that is traveling is still traveling at somewhat disparate speeds. And the idea is that eventually there might be so much stuff that we wouldn't be able to launch any new anything? Essentially, Yes. The idea would be unless that unless we launched a giant net. Well, so we'll get to that too, actually, because there's shoot some, a big tarp up there, dude. No and then joke. Just keep it going that way. No joke. There's a bunch of research Make being it done Alpha right Centauri's now. Alpha Centauri's problem. <laughs> you take this. 
<laughs> no, actually, uh, we'll get to this a little bit later too, but there's some pretty fascinating uh, like research being done around people going, oh shit, this is... Space nets? Like we should, for real, one of them is a space net. That's how you catch a space whale. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so you catch one of those fucking UFOs that's haunting this the yeah, ISS. Um, so yeah, so NASA at any given time is uh, is tracking... Hundreds of thousands of these pieces of debris. Um, by NASA's records, at least as they publicly tell us, there are over 20,000 pieces of space debris uh, that are larger than a softball currently orbiting Earth. God damn. So, like, if that you would be a literal explosion if that hit anything, right? Yeah. I mean, if you look at like the, the ISS, would be done. Yeah, for 100%. If you what look the fuck? at the, and there are 20,000 of them, 20,000. If you look at the quartz article that I showed you and you've seen the picture too, Spencer, I know, but the, the fleck of paint that hit oh, the, yeah. the window is, I mean, it's, it's a dent the size of a quarter and the windows on the ISS. They said it was like, a few microns for anyone that knows what a micron is. The, the size of the, of the fleck they think that yeah, hit it. Yeah. And it left a circle, I think it's like the size of almost a half dollar, and it was like eight inches into one of the windows. It wasn't. I don't think it was that far. It, or some. It, was, it like was like six centimeters or something. Was it really? I thought it was more than that because I thought the, I thought the windows were like almost a foot thick or something like that, or yeah, ten inches thick see. or something. They're like well, quadruple they're, plated. They have, and, yeah, I was gonna say there are multiple layers of them. Um, just so we get this information correct. Yeah, I'm just. It was I'm just volleying out numbers. Oh, come on, guys. Okay, a seven millimeter chip in the in the window. Okay, so not that. Created by something no more than a few microns across. I don't know what a micron is. It sounds small though, because it starts with the word micro. How big <laughs> is a micron? It says a, it may have been a paint flake or a metal fragment. Um, it's a micrometer. It is a millionth of a meter. Or a, or a th- mm, ten thousandth of a centimeter, right? Something like that. Real, yes. Real fucking little. Yes. Yes, yeah. that's right. That's okay. Right. Super fucking little. Like, unseeable to the human eye little. Yeah. So you're just being pelted by shit that you can't even see and it's making seven centimeter dents in your windows? Exactly. Sounds scary. I I mean, like, I was already scared of the concept of space travel or... You, you probably won't have to go, so that's good news. Space vacationing, etc. Yeah. But... Uh, We're going to need a lot more people on Patreon before we start taking <laughs> space-cations. Space-cations on yeah. Richard Branson's Virgin Space Travel. Um, okay, so 20,000 that are larger than a softball. So think about that, too. Larger than a softball. Dude, if I just threw a softball at you, it would hurt. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> if you threw it hard enough, you could definitely kill me with a softball if you threw it at my head. You think? Uh, 1,000% for sure. Okay. That's why baseball players wear wear helmets, dude. If you throw a baseball at somebody, you can totally kill them. Yeah, but I can't throw a softball 90 miles an hour, and a softball is not as hard as a baseball. If you were close enough to me, you could 100% throw a softball and hit me in the head and kill me. I'm not His talking about... head fell off. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, no, uh, a softball moving 17,000 miles an hour would destroy a whole bunch of shit, I would, would think. Would blow a ship up. Okay, the uh, 
on top of those 20,000 pieces that are bigger than a softball, there's over 500,000 pieces of debris, which are the ones that NASA considers trackable, which is insane. And they don't even fully explain how they track 500,000 pieces of metal how flying the around the planet. How the fuck would you track 20,000 softballs? I, dude, I don't even know. Math is insane. I don't even know. Um, and those 500,000 pieces that are trackable, they say are the size of a marble or larger. You're tracking a marble in outer space next to 500,000 other marbles in outer space? Right. And God then damn, there NASA. are great work. And then there are up to millions of pieces of debris similar to the paint flex that are microns and millimeters and things Where's that are smaller all this come than from? It's all breakdown from all of the stuff that we've done. So over the last 50 or 60 years, we've been firing satellite after satellite after satellite. Satellites are defunct. Sometimes they break apart in orbit and then pieces that are too light to actually crash back down to Earth just stay in orbit and slowly break down into smaller and smaller pieces. There's also been things like collisions that have happened. So like, uh, for instance, in 1996, uh, a French satellite got hit by a French rocket that exploded it was there were pieces of a French rocket that exploded a decade earlier that were hurtling around. They launched a new French satellite. The satellite got taken out by a piece of the rocket. Then that satellite exploded into more smaller pieces. So even that even that moment alone is like a very very small instance of the Kessler syndrome in effect. A rocket blows Except up. Except that it only affected the French somehow. <laughs> And was simultaneously the most effective military strike in French history. You're like, fuck, we blew our... Oh, oh wow. Shots fired. We don't have a lot of French listeners, I bet. No, we don't. Um, some some French-Canadian person was like, fuck you, man. No, they, they, they're they Canadian. They're fine. That's true. Um, in 2009... A Russian satellite that had been sunsetted and was no longer in commission uh, collided with a U.S. Iridium commercial satellite. And uh, they believe that just that collision alone added more than 2,000 pieces of trackable size debris. Yikes. So 2,000 separate pieces, a marble or larger, were created just by that one collision. So we were talking earlier about the... The Chinese space station that's supposed to be falling back to Earth at some point? Yeah, we should re-talk about that for those that are not going to hear about that, because I think that's a... Well, I mean, that's, that's that's the summary, is that there's a Chinese space station that's been in orbit since 2011. It weighs 18,000 pounds, and it is now no longer operational, and the Chinese officials are anticipating that it's going to fall back to Earth sometime in the first six months or so of this year. Thanks. So if that's passing, they don't have control of it anymore, and it's going to be passing through multiple layers of orbiting junk. Seems like there'd be a pretty good chance that that's getting hit by some things on the way down, right? For sure. Possibly some of those large things. I mean, I know like this, it's hard to envision the scale of this too, because I'm picturing a bunch of stuff close together, and it's probably not just because of how... How big of a of a space we're talking about? Well, I mean, yes and no, I guess. If you think about the idea of there being five hundred thousand marbles circling the planet at any given time, I mean, I don't know. 
Yeah, but if there were 500,000 marbles in floating around like Minnesota, you wouldn't get hit with one very often. You know what I mean? There, it's it's such a large area. I wonder how, how dense it actually is. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess, too, I would wonder if part of the part of the risk for explosion is also how the actual like manned ones are pressurized with like oxygen and other chemicals and stuff like that. Whereas if a, if a ship or a base or a lab like that in the sky has been decommissioned and there are no longer actually astronauts inside of it, does it pose less of a risk for explosion if there are no longer chemical compounds that are being pressurized inside of it? Sure. I guess I was thinking more of like if parts of it were to break off either by being struck by other junk or just in, you know, in returning through our atmosphere. For sure. Then that, it's a pretty large object could create all kinds of chaos, I would think. No doubt. I'm, I'm totally with you. I was, I was just saying, part of me wonders if there's a possibility that if it, if it were uh, an existing non-decommissioned uh, version, if the risk of it getting hit by something would be more disastrous if that were the case, because oh, then it would blow up and create gotcha. way gotcha. more gotcha. shit. Disperse over a wider area. Right. Whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. if a softball just fires through something that isn't pressurized, it would probably create some space jump, but it would not cause the whole vessel to like implode. Got to be honest, we're talking about a whole bunch of stuff that I have no idea about just, yeah just really guessing here yep. today yep yep heck. big time <laughs> heck indeed heck indeed um so what uh, you said there people are building uh space nets space nets or something which sounds sim- or, very similar to uh skynet yes yes that's what that was right what's that skynet yeah. <laughs> yes them okay. creating a thing that they could drag through the sky yeah um yeah, so space fish. I, space fish. So there are people who I would say, well, there are definitely people who are paid to worry about this. Why can't Elon Musk do that? Clean up clean up space? Yeah. Well, honestly, if his company wants to keep making money, they're saying. probably gonna fucking have to. Help us out, bro. I mean, seriously though, he there I would I would be blown away if there were not people at SpaceX who are already thinking about the concept of space debris and how to help clean it up. Because so there are uh, the DoD's Joint Space Operations Center uh, works with NASA, and they are the people who do a lot of the tracking and worrying about when we're shooting satellites and launches and stuff like that. They're the ones that are actually tracking this stuff. But there are more people who are worried about it to the extent with which they're trying to uh, create things to actually take care of it. One of which includes uh, the European Space Association that is inventing a thing called the deorbit project. And okay. they're calling it bag it and bin it, which nice. is a delightfully European way That's of fantastic. Uh, saying that they're going to create something. We'll post this in the show notes. Uh, it looks like this, which is very much so. I kind of see a, like a, an umbrella. Can you see it? Oh, here, I got to turn my brightness Or up. maybe like a, it looks like a plastic bag attached to something. Yeah, so... You're just going to fly a, a, a trash bag around in space and hope it catches some stuff? Yeah. And then what? So the idea... Now you have a flying trash can. <laughs> <laughs> so it does actually kind of look like a giant flying trash can with like a rope on it attached to... And we just like push it at Jupiter or something? Like a fishnet? No, you know what the crazy part is? We push it to Earth. 
No. Yeah. No, don't do that. There are people here. There are no people on Jupiter. It's well, hot. It'll burn up. I do. Run it into one of those planets where people don't live. Their their idea is that if they, uh, so the the idea is the thing that leads it, the trash can, if you will, mm-hmm. is uh, drivable. Is that the right word? Steerable. <laughs> they can. They can. It's got move. a steering wheel. Can, it's got a steering wheel. It's built to very rigorous specifications. <laughs> they they paid a dude who's actually like like a, a garbage man for a real job to be like, hey, listen, we've got a really cool garbage man opportunity for you. We need you to drive a space bus. It's just barf from space balls. Space barf. Um, no, the idea is that it's a it's a steerable element that where they could slowly pull it lower and lower into orbit, which would cause the entire thing to incinerate itself before coming back into... Oh. So they wouldn't actually okay. like land it anywhere. It would basically be like run it around the planet, however many times in orbit. Wouldn't we want to fish out the UFOs first, though? Well, they're taking pictures. It'll be like in uh, in Star Wars when you know they the Han Solo waits until they spit all the junk out of the of the Star Destroyer, and then they they float away with it. But Boba Fett sees them and they follow. Oh, him. right, 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 right. There's got to be at least two UFOs in there, based on that logic. Um. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that, Spencer. I guess. I think we should sort through the through the rubbish first. Is all I'm saying. I, I before guess, we bin it. I guess before we before we bag it and bin it. No, we already bagged it before we bin it. We. Oh, that's true. We're not binning it. We're incinerating it, right? Uh, well, the 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 binning I think is bringing it back down to earth. Which we is need to just designate the, the shittiest planet as as a trash planet. Well, do you know there are people that say that we should also send it to the moon? Or designate this one as a trash planet and then, like, start again. That seems like a pretty bad idea with the, <laughs> this being the only one that is even remotely It's a long-term plan, I'm saying. Uh, yeah, This one's true. pretty close to a trash planet. True. Um, We're, like, 80% trash. I know, which is such a bummer. Yeah, our cities are basically just trash. I think that sometimes with when people I, walking around on them. <laughs> I think about that sometimes when I go out and, like hang out in nature for a little bit and then I come back to the city I'm like oh it's pretty gross here sometimes like if you just waited a while all this stuff would just be identified as trash in like a hundred years you know the like the stuff that we have yeah, physically I mean, around yeah, us yeah, right exactly this house and like that's well that salt lamp would be fine it'd still be salt probably uh salt lasts forever I don't know is it like honey honey, um, honey lasts forever honey yeah what honey it doesn't go bad you can eat like thousands of years old honey. Honey definitely goes rancid. It's nope. got sugar in it. False. What? I don't think that's true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Okay. <laughs> I'm, you were very I'm okay not real with set that. on like convincing you about it, but it is true. All right. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you pulled some honey out of a cave from 10,000 years ago, you could eat that shit. I'm, I'm going to investigate this. Okay. I'm. So wait, the the ESA is making that big, yeah, because it's we're binning it and bagging it and such, yeah. The the ESA has proposed that that's a pretty that's a pretty good way to do it. Oh, so this is purely a okay. Uh, it's not I, being actively developed. If if I am if I understand properly, they are conceptualizing these ideas, saying, "A, this is a super big problem." Like the ESA had a convention about space debris this year to bring a bunch of astrophysicists together and be like. Well, hey, this is a problem. Let's talk about it. Because if you're going to do something about it, 
it, when it gets really bad, wouldn't it probably be bad enough that we can't even successfully launch new things? Um, so we're going to have to get ahead of it eventually, right? Yeah. I mean, I suppose that would be, that would be part of the issue would be that cleanup. If we don't start cleanup efforts, it will be impossible to launch further cleanup efforts right? or new cleanup efforts in the future. Right. Yeah. Or you'd have to wait a really, really, really long time. Yeah, or if there would for be them a way to form back the, to like conglomerate and form back into new satellites, there's probably enough AI in them that they can figure it out and <laughs> just they, like rebuild themselves. Maybe, oh, maybe that's what UFOs actually are. They're just re con- previously intelligent civilizations congealed space junk, <laughs> congealed space junk together and created. Yeah, probably, man. Probably. Yeah, there's, um, a, there's a non-zero chance of that. Yeah. <laughs> The other uh, cool slash Star Trek-y slash Star Wars-y version of this is the Ablative Laser Propulsion for Space Debris Removal Project proposed by the University of Colorado. I know one of those words. Yeah. I guess two. I know laser and project, which are the two that I heard, and this sounds tight. Uh, Yeah, they think that they can use... um, They can use laser-fitted weapons... Uh, to, based on Earth or based in space? Uh, based in space. Okay. Attached to... Um, we're making a, a Death Star? I guess we're kind of making a Death Star? <laughs> or or I guess by, by recommendation of the University of Colorado, I think we're maybe making a Death Star? Okay. Um, Has they, anyone proposed a giant net? Well, that kind of is what the first one is. I don't want to bring it back here, though. I'm saying like... You, get, you imagine like a cargo net, right? You make it's it might have to be a little closer together because you know, or uh, you start with like, like pretty wide because you want to catch the big stuff because that's going to really fuck us up, right? And I'm imagining like a like a catapult, and you just launch that fucker into orbit, or you know, you probably have to like attach some rockets to it or something. And it's <laughs> probably. just yeah, probably <laughs> once, once it get, gets out there, it expands, right? Yes. And then you you propel it over like a wide swath of the sky and it just catches everything in it and then it just keeps going. And you send it out just, just uh, away. into space? Just away. I feel and like, then you repeat until we got some clear paths. I feel like the I feel like the chances of that potentially coming back around to bite us in the ass is significant. <laughs> That's gonna be the thing that that starts the whole chain reaction of yeah, right. Of unlike unnavigatable space <laughs> like, junk. Like what if what if we send your proposed net idea out, mm-hmm. collect a a literal ton of space garbage. Yep, that's the idea. <laughs> as it's about to leave the Earth's atmosphere, it's like coming back and then just start well, circling back around the planet. Don't design it to do that. Design it to <laughs> point it the other way. No, we just won't. The idea yeah, is that we won't right. and then it'll point be Point it fine. at Venus. It's hot there. It'll it'll disappear there. Yeah. Um. No people as far as we know. It'll be fine. As far as we know. I like Colorado's idea better because it turns us into Space actually lasers? having Star Wars. Yeah, they, they... That ended badly for the planet next to it. Well... Saying they they propose actually developing a uh, a laser capable of neutralizing uh, space debris. 
yeah, you know, they're just going to point that at like whatever country they don't like as soon as they get rid of the space debris, though. So the conclusion of the paper that I uh, read a chunk of was basically saying uh, all all governments that do not own this space debris yeah. labor will be like, will cease to exist. You can't launch that. Like right. there's no way you can launch that. Right. So they said, actually, did Ronald Reagan propose this? I highlighted a line. For, yeah. I highlighted a line from it. It, it said, Mitigating other nations' concerns over ablative laser propulsion will be just as challenging as developing the ta- the technology itself. Yeah, no thanks. Who's making that one? That's got to be the U.S., right? Or uh, Russia? <laughs> this is this is again a this England is didn't a, come up with that one. Uh, no, no, this is a hypothetical project uh, in the spaceflight dynamics department of the University of Colorado at Boulder. Oh, okay. Uh, it's probably funded by the DOD or something. I mean, if you if you want to be uh, if you want to be a little bit on the conspiracy side of things, it would never. be <laughs> never not us, not us, not here. It would be a pretty intelligent way to be like, well, we got to have a laser up there. We got a big space debris problem. <laughs> Oops, China's gone. Oh, just kidding. Sorry, guys. You're all. You're all disappeared. It did. Yeah. The idea. No, I, I don't like that idea at all. Yeah, I feel like it's a little aggro, but I, I feel like I, the lasers are cool. I prefer the Baggett and Bennett so far. Baggett and Bennett's good. Got any, um, are there any other options? Not really. Okay. Not so far. Uh, not that I was aware of. I I had the idea while I was doing some of my research. I was like, is there a way to create some sort of magnetic field? Could we Could we send? Is because it's it's mostly metal. Is that the idea? Yeah. I mean. For the most part, most of those things are either metal or have metal attached to them. So is there a way that we could create some sort of large metallic magnetic field that would attract some, even some portion of it? And then what? I don't know. I guess it would be similar to the Baggett and Bennett realm where if you could, if you could, I mean, I think even... Wait, so you're saying somehow create this giant magnetic field in space? Yeah. Hmm. Like even if you even if you shot a ship up there that was able to give off some sort of electromagnetic field, and even if it because one and of the then things pointed at Venus afterwards, sure, or that use like a tractor beam to just funnel all that shit towards Venus. There you go. What's the what's the most metallic dense planet in our solar system? We'll just send the magnet at that, and it'll just go chase it until it crashes there. Jupiter's pretty big. Does, that, does it have a? No, it doesn't have a metal core, though. It has a metallic core. Is it the sun? (laughs) No. Mm. Uh, Yeah. Mars? Mars has a metal core, right? Does it? (laughs) I don't fucking know. (laughs) Someone help us! (laughs) This is terrible. Dude, our friends friends and listeners are just absolutely screaming at us about our inability to... Oh, boy. This episode's really, really crushing so far. (laughs) I thought we were were ready to be done, and we're not even close. (laughs) Great. Um, well, speaking of that, let's take a quick break. <laughs> Just forever. <laughs> let's take a forever break. <laughs> no, we'll, uh, we'll be, we'll be back in a second. Uh, it's the Money Podcast. Man. I feel like we kind of covered the Kessler effect. We did, man. That's Donald J. Kessler. Let's uh, let's all hope somebody invents a laser or a net or uh, something. 
soon. I'm sticking with net. I think the net is the best option. All right, I'm down. I'm down. Just make it Jupiter's problem. We need our satellites. We need space. Yeah. I was wondering about that. Like, I know obviously that we use satellites for almost everything these days here yeah, on Earth. It really is. In you know, including navigation and internet and. Uh, a lot of things that you wouldn't necessarily assume are reliant on navigation and internet, right. like utilities and right. uh, transit and all that stuff. Yeah, we talked about some of these, some of those on the uh, on the apocalyptic episodes that we did. Uh, what if the oh, world, yeah. what if the world ends? We talked a, right. a little bit about some of those possibilities. I gotta imagine it would affect our ability to put things in space too, right? I'm I'm guessing some of that monitoring of that debris is being done from space. Yeah. It has to be. It has to be, right? And well, totally. And also too, I mean, how much of our how much of our space program, like our actual ability to launch and when we launch and all that stuff is also based on shit that's internet. actually <laughs> internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like things that are not just manual centralized data. It has to be right. a, a ton of that. Plus, even I mean, even things like launch conditions. You know, the, the launch conditions are less than superior by a little bit. So much of actually, that stuff is. You have to actually go outside and see what the weather's like before you launch something. Dude's just gonna go outside and <laughs> grab a handful of grass and throw it in the air and be like, "That's fucking up, so <laughs> we're going up, right? It should be fine." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if it blows up, it's just we're gonna be up to wherever with all the other shit. So we'll just do another just one steer, next week. Just steer up; it'll be fine. <laughs> you just just dodge. If you're still laying down, you're good. Duck and weave. <laughs> Dude's just steering around shit. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think, and that's what the, that's the scariest part about the consequences of it is it's like, if we fuck it up badly. Yeah, and we're stuck on earth without internet. We we did that for most of earth. <laughs> yeah, well. You know. It's a lot, I feel like a we'll lot of people. some things along people along the way, but we'd, we'd be better for it in the end. <laughs> did you say lose some unimportant people No, I said way? some stuff and some people. <laughs> I thought you said it was it. only mildly <laughs> offensive. What you said was moderately <laughs> offensive. I thought, I thought I heard you say we'll lose some unimportant people along yeah. the way, as in if you can't if you can't survive without internet, fuck them. Well, well uh, fuck them. Says the guy who who makes music on a computer and yeah, podcasts right. for a living. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. I will be one of those unimportant people if that were to happen. Yeah, right. we will. We both will. We'll we'll be cowering here in our studio, recording recording into nowhere. Yelling into tin cans. Yes. <laughs> well, we'll have plenty of tin cans, right? We'll just be flush with space junk. Flush with <laughs> coming crashing down to Earth. Yeah, probably. I don't think it'll be in the in the form of tin can when it lands. Uh, isn't that basically? Da David be, Bowie told me that that's what a spaceship is. I think it'll be in the form of flaming crater <laughs> when it lands. It's still metal, right? Meteorites have metal in them. It's true. We'll build yeah. a dagger out of it and see run Egypt. We did. <laughs> <laughs> we not we people did that before. Yeah. King Tut we'll, we'll did be that. Fine. We'll or be fine. His people did that. He was fucked up. King Tut was fucked yeah, up. Yeah, you ever see those recreations of what he probably looked like? <laughs> now, come on, that's not fair. What? Don't, He's fucked up looking. Don't no. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. I'm not saying what you said is fucked up. I'm saying it's fucked up to try to recreate someone's face who's been dead for thousands of no, years. It, was, it wasn't just his face. He was like all. Bow legged and his hips were fucky. <laughs> what the fuck? Look it up. I mean, 
Do, do I'm going to make special artwork just for this episode that's do, just King Tut looking fuckified. Do we, and we're talking Mummified about... Mummified and fuckified. We're, we're talking about space and everyone's going to be like, why is there a fucking picture of King Tut? <laughs> He's from outer space, duh. Uh, the well, Egyptians knew a lot about space. How, how do we feel like with any confidence we can say that King Tut was bow-legged based on finding his body? Because we have his bones. Yeah, but... Thousands of years later, I mean, we don't know what could have happened to his bones between now and then. We don't know that they're like... Well, they wouldn't have grown. Not grown, but they could have like warped or changed or disintegrated or... Well, we know they didn't disintegrate because they're there. Okay, not disintegrate, but you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> no, I don't. That's what... <laughs> Like bone mass could weaken over time and then like change yeah, but shape. That's di- I don't know. No, I don't think that's how it works. You think bones just are like impenetrable? They're not like titanium. Right, but they're not going to completely warp their shape have you ever that's why skeletons look like skeletons they don't look like was, different animals or something was king tut fucked up <laughs> <laughs> oh wow <laughs> See? Oh, wow all you need to how do is look at the picture <laughs> how did google no dude i didn't even i didn't see a picture oh. how did google let me get away with typing the phrase was King Tut fucked up? And the first article is, a virtual autopsy of King Tut reveals Pharaoh had girlish hips. Because Google has listened to everything you've said for the last 10 years. Oh, you know what? I, You know what? <laughs> have you seen a picture yet so we can move on? Wait, hang on. I have to read this Reddit comment that is very strong on never a Reddit. Have, you never have to read Reddit comments. No, this one's pretty good. Someone wrote, what I don't understand is why they gave him man boobs. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> How could they know that? It seems like See, they're that's going- a much better question. Someone wrote, it seems like they're going out of their way to make him look all fucked up, which is... <laughs> How you got there. Which is why Google responded well, well to my was King Tut fucked up I mean, search. most royalty was not especially fit. They sat and ate all day. Other people did their labor for them. I think a lot of kings and, and such were fatties. This, the, the Imgur post is a virtual autopsy of King Tut revealing Pharaoh had girlish hips, a club foot, and buck teeth. Yeah, dog. Further evidence shows his parents were brother and sister. Yeah. Which likely caused his physical impairments. He was fucky. What? He was real short, too. He was just a little fucky guy. How do ran we, Egypt. How do we know King Tut's parents? Because Egyptians kept good records. And we had enough DNA to determine that they were brother and sister of... I mean, does it say it's DNA or is it just based on written records? Oh, wow. Good thing Gawker is no longer a thing. You want to... Yeah, that's what I was trying to get you... Oh, oh, that headline sucks. Fuck Gawker. Uh... You wanna you wanna play a couple rounds of the Wikipedia game before we sign off for yeah, the week? Yeah, shit. Why not? We got a we got a couple minutes. Let's we we got feedback loud and clear. You guys like the Wikipedia game in small doses, so we'll yes. we'll play it whenever we do. Not for an hour at a time. Fifty five minutes of an episode. You get seven we minutes. Still give you seven guys minutes some, at a time. Uh, some that full hour of good good. Um, Next week we'll actually prep things. I promise. <laughs> Hey, we prepped. Yeah. We just don't know much about Speak space. For you. Speak for yourself. We just don't know much about well, space. Look, if you're not prepared to do the research, Brian, <laughs> why make the statement in the first place? I make- uh, All right, well, uh, one through what is it? Fifteen. Oh, so, somebody said they were going to build an app for us for this, and oh, I forgot. Shit, I forgot right. to respond Who to was them. That? I don't remember, dude. It's it's getting messy. I know I said I would respond to everything, and that was when no one was really listening to us. And now we get like five <sighs> emails a day, and it's well, getting a little. Yeah, it's been more than that, and then it's like Facebook and Twitter, and then I. Remember that I'm supposed to respond to something, but not where it was. Right. And it turns out it was like an Instagram DM. And then, <laughs> anyway, somebody, 
please email me again if you said you'd build an app for this because I know somebody did. I also have it on my schedule to retroactively go back and hit up anything we missed. So we'll 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 come back around too. But yeah, if you guys, I'm, I'm trying. It's getting tough though. If you guys had something where you were like, "What the fuck?" They never answered me about this or whatever. Just you can you can follow up. We'll, we'll, yeah. Feel free to bug us. We love you guys there enough been, that we won't be mad about that. There have been more of you, and I've had actual work that I have to do lately, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it's gotten uh, things got I've crazy. fallen behind a little bit. Hey, speaking of more of you real quick, uh, thanks to everybody who joined us for the live episode that we did on Facebook oh, yeah, Live. Cool. Uh, it's still up there if you want to go watch it. Last week. Yeah, if you go to uh, if you go to facebook.com slash whatifpod, uh, it's a live video recording that you can go check out. Uh, we hung out for like a long time with you. Hour and a half or hour, hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes. Uh, there was a grippy that hung out and and asked us questions and we answered a bunch of questions about the show and our favorites and what we're going to do in the future and all that stuff. So that was very dope. Thanks everybody who showed up for that. Yeah, it was fun. We'll probably do that once in a while. Yeah. All right. One through 15. 12. That was a weird way to say 12. I couldn't get it. Uh, okay. My, a- head, my head fell off. <laughs> His head fell off. <laughs> a through. Holy shit. I was just scrolling. Dude. Sorry, I gotta stop for a second. Just <laughs> this is how good this art, this list is. Just scrolling down through the list in the margins, they have extra shit because there's so much wild shit in here. Oh wow! And one of the things in the margins is an illustration, and then under it it says an artist's impression of one of Zenu's space planes, and it is an what an American Airlines seven forty seven flying through outer space. What? That apparently Xenu wrote on. Who right. is a Xenu? Uh, that's the, isn't that the uh, Scientology alien oh, god guy? yeah, I think you're right. Do you think somebody who made an app could just scrape this page for all of like the top level links and then we could just have like a wheel of a fortune wheel I think that that's, just I think that's basically what they were saying. Yeah. Damn, that would be tight as hell. All right, we should work with whoever wants to do that. Thank you guys for being awesome. Xenu according to Scientology founder L. Ron Hubbard, was the dictator of the Galactic Confederacy who 75 million years ago brought billions of people to Earth. Mm. Okay, uh, A through Z. Oh, we actually have all the way to Z. Yep, A through Z. V. Nope. H. <laughs> I was ready for that to not work. Uh, one or two? Two. You have, <laughs> you have selected homosexuality and voodoo. Uh oh! Should we, Ryan? <laughs> should we not? What the fuck was that? <laughs> you want to give it a shot? Um, is this going to be politically incorrect? Because I'm not. Uh, super, let me let me screen I was gonna it say, real let's quickly. Let's screen this, and uh, if it sucks, we'll do something else. Yeah, I think it's fine. All right. It's not super interesting. I'll just read it, and then we'll find a different one. All right, sounds good. It's basically saying that uh, in Haitian voodoo, homosexuality is fine. Oh, good. A religion yeah. that's cool <laughs> yeah way so to, way to be cool to people yep. voodoo voodoo is cool with homosexuality good i'm glad to hear that that's uh, one of the first ones let's just let's cool. just try again one through 15 uh six okay technology inventions and products oh dip this i think we've gotten one or two from here in the past a through oh boy there are multiple Oh, okay, sorry. We got one more level first. Ooh. Uh, one through... Oh, God damn, this article is big. So many Holy inventions! Holy shit. All right. Uh, there are like literally thousands of entries just in this. Cool. Uh, A through Z. T. Okay. 
Uh, if you had selected I, by the well, never mind. Well, there it is. That's lit. All right. Uh, okay, T. Now you got to select again. Good a, lord. I know A through W. Good lord. I know T. All right. How many levels of Inception are in the inventions category? One or two. Did I do a good job? I don't know. There's there's stuff though. <laughs> <laughs> you got something. This is like one of those shitty paper things you used to fold in high school where you'd have to beep, 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 yep. do the math 4,000 You're going to marry Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even like Steve. Steve's mean. Have I ever told the power team story on this podcast? The fuck is a power team? Fucking great. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I like that we finally we got the seven levels down and we and we missed the eighth level before we actually picked Oh, right, right, right. I'll come back to the power team story. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. Uh, you've selected Tomorrow's Pioneers. <laughs> What the fuck was that? Keep in mind it's television related. Tomorrow's Pioneers. Okay. So Tomorrow's Pioneers was a television show in the late 80s where they actually took a bunch of uh, like first and second graders and they put them into a room with a bunch of fucking like weird gadgets and gizmos and tools and wheels and cogs and shit. And they just had them play together and make shit until the kids invented like really cool and actually interesting things. And then all the kids. And that's that, how Skylab was built. And that's how Skylab was built. <laughs> and that's why things blow up when they get into space because it was built by uh, children who uh, were pioneers of tomorrow with their gadgets and gizmos. You're close. Nice. Tomorrow's Pioneers is a children's program broadcast on 2000 from. It says on 2007 to 2009. Oh, from actually. 2007 to 2009 on the Palestinian Hamas affiliated television station Al Aqsa TV. The, the show features young host Sarah Barnholm and her co-host, a large costumed animal, as they perform skits or scenes and discuss life in Palestine in a talk show fashion with call-ins from children, typically of ages 9 through 13. So it's like Palestinian Sesame Street? Yeah, with uh, bootleg Mickey Mouse as the co-host. Oh, dope. <laughs> oh, wow! No joke, uh -huh. like very bootleg Mickey Mouse. Yep. Hey, good for that. So when I said close, you were actually way off. Well, I mean, kids' television show was the, uh, the extent of my yeah, correctness. Right. The the power team. So when I was in high school, I think I was a freshman in high school. We had this all school assembly, and I went to pretty big school, so it was like twenty two, twenty three hundred kids all packed into the gym. How old were you? I was fresh, a freshman in high school. Okay, and this was like my first. It was fall, so it was like my first couple weeks of high school. Which is traumatizing for everyone. Yeah, I didn't really know what I was doing, and uh, neither did the other like 500 kids in my grade. And we all go down to the gym, and there's this assembly for just sort of no reason. Like it was just in at the end of the day on a Tuesday. School spirit. Last whatever. hour, we all did this thing in the gym. Yeah. And it was this group called the Power Team. And they seriously, it was like they were playing jock jams, and it was a bunch of American gladiator looking ass dudes. Wait, were they like anti drug or something like that? Hold on, okay. <laughs> and they they spent like thirty minutes ripping phone books in half, and this dude, and they had a, an MC the whole time. It was like a fucking N one mixtape where there was this giant dude with a microphone being like, "And if he does this incorrectly." The air could rush back into his lungs and he would explode from the inside. And everyone's like, 
Oh, damn! I don't want to see the man explode. <laughs> this dude had like a hot water bottle. That would be gross! <laughs> Talking about a junk cloud. There was a, <laughs> this dude had a water bottle, like a hot water bottle. You know, the rubbery, squishy ones that you fill with hot yeah, water. Yeah, yeah, Put on sore muscles or whatever. Did he blow it up like a balloon? Yes, no until it exploded. Way. No way. Yes, and they were chopping through boards with their hands and shit. Do you think you could like? Do you think that was real? Do you think that, that was, he could die? I well, don't know, <laughs> or that he was actually doing it. Both. I don't fucking know. Uh, no, probably. I feel like you could only die if it was like glued to your face, right? You just take his mouth off it, and then the entirety of the balloon wouldn't just shoot into just, his lungs. <laughs> it would just be a whoopee cushion. <laughs> it would make a great fart noise, and then it would maybe like right hit in a, your own face. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, they did this all for like a half an hour and then fucking Escalade or whatever his name was gets on the mic and starts. That was the N1 guy. Deep right? cut. Yeah. yeah, no, deep cut. <laughs> I was there. I don't know uh, who else was. He gets on the microphone and just goes on this crazy homophobic rant. Whoa. And he ended the whole thing with literally, it's the only time I've heard someone say this seriously in my whole life. He ended with the Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve line. What? Yes. Dude, you didn't even go to a religious school. I went to a public high school, like kind of in a city. What the fuck? Yeah. And obviously no one had screened this before they booked them I, for this because I, the teachers I remember were like, oh no. Our assistant principal was this little dude. He was like five, six or something. <laughs> and he always wore a sport coat and a tie and a, and like a checked shirt that never matched either of them. He was just like, <laughs> he got there by pure heart he was the fucking rudy yeah. of public ed- uh, education ed- administration tight good for him no one liked him <laughs> oh sad. he was made to do like all just the shitty shittiest work anyway sad. i remember him running up there and like trying to grab the mic back from this just mountain of a dude yeah, like tackle him real quick while he all of our teachers were like okay we have to go yeah whatever <laughs> get on the buses early don't care go home <laughs> fuck it we're done with school today we fucked up <laughs> Damn, and, that's fucked up. Yeah, they like immediately there was a uh, like a closed door admin only meeting and just you know trying to draw up the copy for how they were going to respond to the thirteen hundred phone calls they were going to get that yeah, night yeah, from parents. Yeah. Uh, someone was spewing hateful shit at a school <laughs> rally today. Mom, Question I went mark? to school and uh, and and laser told me I should hate myself. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, that was like my ninth day of high school or something. Jesus, Mm -hmm. that's fucked up. Yeah, and we all, even at like fourteen, we all knew like this is really fucked up, and somebody's gonna get fired probably. (laughs) (laughs) I've never even had a job, and I know someone's getting fired today. (laughs) I love the version of this too, where like whatever the power team was, like I think they're still around. No, I I googled this within the last couple years, and they still existed. Dear God, can we please go as a media organization to a school that's having a power team thing? Oh, I would interview the people from the power team. Thepowerteam.com. No way. They're now Todd Keen and the Power Team 2.0, so maybe the 2.0 means less hateful, but (laughs) I doubt it. Uh, I bet. It, I bet the 2.0 is they fired all the people from the uh, insensitive and then and Todd took version. over because you should trust your organization to a guy named Todd for sure. <laughs> Sick bro. Yeah, they had. Look at this shit, dude. I'm, I'll put a link so you guys can watch this, but it's it's just a bunch of like WWE looking guys oh! with cool custom jackets. I'm pretty high fiving sure, kids. I'm pretty sure and bench pressing each other with logs. 
Oh, you're not lying. They really yeah. were bench press. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I love the I love the action shot and their rotating carousel on the website of all the kids in the front row of their gymnasium going, oh, <laughs> like mouths open as they're doing some wild shit. I mean, I had the same reaction, but for a different reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were like, oh, this is offensive. Uh, they have a contact form for booking. Should we, uh, should we book them for a live what if event? <laughs> have them rip some fucking phone books in half? No, we shouldn't give these guys money ever. Well, it's entirely white dudes with no hair, which is always a bad sign. Oh, that's tough. And they're all, they're hugging a lot, which is confusing <laughs> based on their message. Is is it an actually like a, a politically or religiously affiliated? I'm trying group? to I'm trying to see. Uh, how do I know the power team members are drug free? Is in oh, there? Interesting F- FAQ because I can see them. I can see this whole thing being like like dudes ripping phone books in half and then being like, "You don't need to do drugs to be cool. You can. I'm drug free. I can rip a phone book in half. Aren't I cool? Yeah. And that they, could, that would be a thing I could see a school doing. The whole. Uh, the whole homophobia and offensive rhetoric thing is no, is pretty out of left field. What can I expect at a power team assembly? Uh-oh. Our assemblies typically last around 35 minutes for elementary schools and 45 for middle schools and high schools. Uh-oh. Two members of the power team will perform an explosive, interactive program beginning with dramatic feats of strength, ranging from bending steel bars with their teeth to snapping professional baseball bats. Jesus. After grabbing students' attention with these amazing acts, they will deliver a motivational message. So, dude, you know what? It doesn't say anything about religion or fuckery anywhere in here. Dude, you know what's you know what's a possibility that I actually enjoy more than anything else is that <laughs> the one dude that they hired, it was like his first week and, and he was, Jerome just went rogue. Jerome was like mad hateful. <laughs> I thought no, that was the vibe I was getting. Was yeah. that I saw a bunch of bald white guys and just figured out that was, that was what we were doing. Everyone else was just there to give a motivational message, and the guy who grabbed the mic at the end of your specific presentation was just like, yeah, and another thing. Just super, super. Nobody stopped him, though. They were all like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Maybe they didn't know what he was saying, and they were just like, oh, shit, we got oh, to back him up. Well, let's uh, here, let's do one more because I derailed us here, and then we'll, then we'll call it a night. All right. Uh, one through 15. Four. <laughs> <You> okay, that, <laughs> that sounded hurt. like it hurt. That hurt to pull out of my guts. Gross. Language. You have selected Ooh. language. Uh, A through B. V. No B. Oh. <laughs> v if it's cool, but B. Ooh. Uh. Oh, we actually did this one before. It's Buffalo, 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 Buffalo. Wow, that's impressive that we actually landed that's on the same thing. Amazing. With a list of thousands. So of we'll things. just start over entirely. One through fifteen. Eight. Eight is you've selected food. Uh, one or two. Two. You've selected restaurants. Nice. Uh, C through P. It's a short, short guy. P. Two for two. We, you've done this one before. This is weird. See, this okay. is Pyongyang. We do that one. Pyongyang. Maybe we didn't do this As one. As in the city. It's it's purple, but maybe I just clicked on on my own earlier. Uh, okay, well, Pyongyang restaurant chain. As in, like, North Korea? Yeah, like that one. What the fuck was that? There's a restaurant chain called Pyongyang? Correct. Describe um, it to me. They they only serve one dish, and it's, it's a nuclear hot chicken sandwich 
but when you eat it, it's not actually spicy. Oh, get it? I, I get it. <laughs> that was my that was my take at being Heck. somewhat politically relevant. Yeah, well, I, fa- I failed. <laughs> you, you didn't nail it. <laughs> I failed. Uh, Pyongyang is a chain of 130 restaurants named for the capital of North Korea in a dozen countries around the world. The restaurants are owned and operated by the Haidangwa Group, an organization of the government of North Korea. They're found primarily in China along the North Korean border. What kind of food do they serve? Uh, good question. Service. The restaurants serve Korean food. You don't say. Including kimchi dishes, cold noodles, barbecued cuttlefish, and dog meat soup. No. Uh, That's what Wikipedia says. I know it's a thing over there, but. That's what they say. Uh, patrons may also buy North Korean products such as ginseng wine and an unlabeled aphrodisiac claimed to be made from bears. Whoa! <laughs> Not the word I thought was going to be at the end of that sentence. Whoa! <laughs> uh, an aphrodisiac made from bears. Ground up full bear. I, I guess. Dried ground bear. Operation. According to Swedish journalist Bertel Littner, the restaurants are one of several overseas business ventures of Room 39, a North Korean government organization dedicated to acquiring and laundering foreign currency for the North Korean leadership. Whoa! North Korean defectors report that the restaurants are run by local middlemen who are required to pay between $10,000 and $30,000 each year to the North Korean government. The staff who live on the restaurant premises are said to be thoroughly screened for political loyalty and to be closely watched on site by North Korean security guards. Holy shit. What? How is that real? This is like, this is like fucking bad world McDonald's. Well, and they kind of, yeah, you can play in the ball pit next to an AK-47. Yeah, and they, they have uh, live entertainment at some of them also. Uh, this sounds like you, a bad... I don't think we have audio, unfortunately, but it's oh. just uh, a lady in a in a dress. Playing with, like a playing sitar. A or Yamaha a... keyboard. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Yikes, dude. How how are there 130 of these? I guess if you need to launder a lot of money, you got to have more, uh, also, more locations. I think you could have workshopped the name a little better. Hey, what should we name it? I don't know. Where are we? Yep. Nailed it. We're yeah, done. Yeah, just do that. But uh, what is it again? It's a restaurant? Yeah, put restaurant after it. Yeah, roll it out. We're done here. <laughs> but they were uh, not- sir, most of them are not going to be in North Korea. Fuck so, it. Don't care. <laughs> they were in no way trying to hide any of their affiliations at all whatsoever. Dude, I wish we had a bunch of like just Canada restaurants. Uh, I mean, Tim Hortons finally made it in. Tim Hortons. There's one. That's that's about the same away. as just saying Canada restaurant. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. I don't know what. The, I mean, this just. What the fuck was that? To this hey. whole episode. <laughs> Hopefully, it was enjoyable. Hey, we love you guys. We hope you enjoyed it. It's been another lovely episode of the What If Podcast. Uh, as always, you can check us out at whatifpodcast.com. Uh, you can also send us an email at hi at whatifpodcast.com and we will try to be better about getting back to that stuff. Um, also, we had a few new Patreon supporters this week. Um, we were just discussing off air earlier that there's got to be like 16 or so full episodes oh, up there. Oh, oh, bonus for yeah. the Patreon right now. If you subscribe or if you're already contributing to us, uh, that is currently going towards the Ryan and Spencer. Oh, God. Visit Area 51 fund. 
So And no, we're not joking. Nope. We should have probably led with this. We are making a journey to Area 51 <laughs> in the end of March, and we're going to record a couple episodes probably on the way there and on the way back and stuff. And, uh, and do some investigating of Yeah, you can own. help fund our dumbass trips to where we All maybe right. get kidnapped and or shot at. Oh, God, I hope not. Okay, bye. See you next week. I love you, bye. His head fell off. We'll be back next week with another episode of the What If Podcast. Learn more at www.whatifpodcast.com.